0: Our scripture this morning comes from 1 Peter the 1st chapter verses 13 through 16. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Discipline yourselves. Set all your hope on the grace that Jesus Christ will bring you when he is revealed. Like obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires that you formerly had in ignorance. Instead, as he who called you is holy, be holy yourselves in all your conduct. For it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That is God's word for us this morning. One of my favorite poems, in fact... I would have to say it is, is my favorite poem. It was written by Robert Frost. And Frost wrote, a, uh, wrote the poem to convey, I think, his, his thoughts on the challenge and, and, uh, and indeed the uh, contemplation and reflection on the choices that we make in life and how that shapes our life. And how, how the choices that we make, at the time that we make them, can be challenging. Uh, that there can be two equal roads that we have to choose from. But as Frost suggests, the road that we choose makes all the difference. The title of the poem is The Road Not Taken. We'll hear these words from that poem. Two uh, two roads diverged in a yellow wood, and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler. Long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth. Then the other, as just, as fair, and having perhaps the better claim, because it was grassy and wanted wear. though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same. And both that morning equally lay in leaves no step, had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day. Yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere, ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made All the difference. Peter talks about choices. And what kind of choices are we going to make? And how are those choices going to reflect the way that we live? So that in choices uh, that are before us, as people who are Christian, as people who are considering whether to be Christian, as people who are trying to decide which path to follow, which road to take, Peter challenges us to be prepared for action. Not only to recognize that the choice that we make will make a profound difference in how we live this life but that the commitment that we bring to the choice will determine how much difference that makes in our life. If you bring half-hearted commitment you'll get a half-hearted result. Thomas Akimpas wrote a book in the early 1400s entitled The Imitation of Christ. That book is the second best-selling book Of all time. The only book that has sold more copies, more printed copies, is the Bible. It is a devotional classic in every sense of that word. And Akippus basing what he was saying on John, the 8th chapter, verse 12. Which basically says to us that Jesus calls us. Out of darkness. So Kempis in writing reflected with these words. Many who hear the gospel of Christ. Have little desire for it. Because they have not the spirit of Christ. To fully understand the words of Christ. You must conform your life wholly. To the life of Christ. I've got a uh, thing that I carry around in my wallet I have for years it's all worn out now pretty much worn out it's right behind the picture of one of my granddaughters these are words that uh, I carry as a reminder they're also from imitation of Christ be not angry that you cannot make others as you wish them to be since you cannot make yourself as you wish to be. Choices that we make. We're called to live a holy life. And holy doesn't mean usually if you start talking about holiness in the, in the church, uh, at least in my experience, it's not unusual for somebody to start telling me what they don't do. You know, I have never, I have never had a drop of alcohol in my life. And, and while that may be commendable, that doesn't necessarily have anything to do with holiness. If you are treating other people with contempt, if you're treating other people as if they are uh, an irritation to you rather than one of God's children, if you care nothing for, for other people and their circumstances, if you have no compassion... Uh, I'm not sure that not ever having a drop of alcohol is, is really a good definition for holiness, for being holy, for pursuing God as holy. Now, Peter talks a lot uh, more about how we are going to love each other. God's holiness demands holiness from the faithful, from us, a different kind of holiness was a guy named Nicholas von Zinzendorf who was a founder of the Moravian Church in this country. And von Zinzendorf in the 1700s was famous, well-known, for establishing the Pietist movement, the call to be holy. And, and this guy, by every evidence of his life, uh, tried to live out love, compassion, understanding for others. It's from the Moravians, which is the movement uh, in the United States that, that uh, drew heavily from von Zinzendorf's teaching. The Moravians is where disciples of Christ get one of our sayings that we have, or mantras that we have. And that is in essentials, unity. In non essentials, liberty. In all things, charity. And if you've been uh, a disciple for a while, you know we, we're pretty good with the liberty part, and, and we're really pretty—we're very, very good. We're pretty good with the charity part. It's in the essentials that we frequently have uh, animated discussions. What is essential for being a follower of Christ? What must you believe? Von Zinzendorf uh, called the community, this Moravian community, uh, to a different kind of holiness, a different kind of standard. So adamant was he that uh, they be called apart, that the communities they established, and Nancy and I had a chance to, to learn a lot about Moravians, we lived in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, which was the southern province, the headquarters for the southern province of the Moravian church. And, and most of you, many of you, may never have heard of Moravians. So anybody, anybody aware, anybody ever heard of Moravians? Okay, we have a, a few folks. Uh, the Moravians were very prominent in, in Winston-Salem. They had several communities that they established. Salem was a community that Winston, uh, that, that the Moravians established. In the uh, 1700s, in 1759, to demonstrate how hard holiness is, that we can proclaim that, try to live that with our lives. Uh, Nicholas von Zinzendorf, the holy guy, heard that the Moravians in North Carolina were trying to establish a community in a a place called Bethania. And what they were going to do was allow non-brethren, non-Moravians, non-brethren to be a part of the community. So incensed, Zinzendorf was still in Austria, still in Germany, so incensed was Zinzendorf when he heard about this, and of course, news didn't travel fast in those days, so it was about a year year after this community was already established that he actually heard about it. He preached a sermon, thunderous sermon, condemning that action, condemning uh, the brethren associating with the non-brethren, became so incensed, became so upset, became so uh, emotional and animated that uh, he suffered either a heart attack or a stroke or perhaps both, but in that, in that moment and shortly after that moment, uh, so angered by the charity that the Moravians in the United States were showing uh, that he died. And it's uh, an unfortunate and sad part of the, uh, the history of that movement. Holiness, being called to love other people, charity, in all things charity. You've heard the saying, you know, we can love, love the sinner and hate the sin. No, you can't. Love and hate don't go in the same sentence and, not, and make any sense. God calls us, In holiness, Peter reminds us in these words that we're called to reflect God's love. That's where we start. That's where it always starts. You may disagree with somebody, you may disapprove of somebody's behavior, you may think that that behavior is wrong, and it may be, but you don't start with hatred. There's not a single person here this morning that if somebody starts from a perspective of hatred trying to correct you in something that you are doing or that they believe that you need to have corrected, and they start by telling you how much they hate that, you're going to hear the word hate, you're going to transfer uh, that, that word to how they feel about you, you're not going to hear another word that's said. You start from a perspective of hatred, And you'll never, ever get past that. God calls us to love. The Gospel of John says that that is how the world, that's how others will know that we're the church. John says in his letter to the church, God is love. And if we want to be imitators of Christ, if we want to have the mind of Christ, that's where we begin. And that's where we just keep going. There's no room for hatred anywhere along that journey. The beginning of holiness is the understanding of Christ's mind. Holiness is not simply though, centered in God alone or in one's own devotion, devotional life. It's not, it, 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 there's a personal dimension to holiness, but there's more to it. It's not simply a personal feeling or personal actions that you take, it's also a community event. Holiness builds community. So the Lord's Prayer, which we prayed just a few minutes ago, begins our Father, not my Father. Our Father. Holiness builds community. It helps us understand each other. If we can't love each other, if we can't care, John, the first letter of John says this, we can't care about the people that God has put in front of us. If we don't care about the people who are around us, if we can't love them, John says, don't even talk about loving God. If you can't love that which is in front of you, that which God loves... You can't love the children of God that God has put in your life. Don't talk about loving God. The love of God's not in you. It's not there. Holiness builds community, builds care. Says that we uh, we care about each other. So you may ask yourself this question how is yourself directed? Two roads that lie before you, or perhaps more than two roads. Choices. What directs your choices? Who directs your choices? What's the first thing you do when confronted with a difficult choice? With confronted with multiple choices? Do you feel like you're on one of the you know one of the roundabouts that you know keep popping up in our community? And you just get on that thing and just keep traveling around and around and around. You don't necessarily know where to get off. Uh, And it's fun maybe to go around once or twice. I've done that. You know, just spin around the roundabout. Just check all the places that you can get off. But you never get off. You're spinning, literally going in circles. Or when confronted with difficult choices, Do you go to God in prayer? Do you go to your knees and ask for God's direction and ask for God's guidance, trusting and knowing that God will give you direction and guidance? How are you self-directed? How do you direct yourself? Where do you go for guidance, for help? Christians who are ready for action live in hope. I read a story just recently about a young nurse, who, a student, and she was assigned to a, a wing uh, of the hospital, and there was a particularly, uh, particularly devastating uh, case, patient, that, uh, that uh, was admitted to the hospital in that, that wing. It was a young woman who had had an aneurysm that had caused devastating uh, brain damage. Uh, she was not able to communicate. She gave no, no, uh, there, was, there was nothing in her demeanor that, that would indicate that she understood anything that was being said to her. She had no movement or very little movement of any of uh, uh, her body. And uh, the fact that, that she could move some, uh, she still had, she had no control uh, over most of those movements. She was instructed, this young nurse, by somebody who was experienced that was on that, in that wing. She was instructed by somebody, given this counsel, uh, well-intended. Don't get a, attached. It's best when we have cases like that, that you remain detached. There's nothing uh, that they're going to know. There's nothing that you can do. You, you do the things that you have to do that you know you can do, but don't get emotionally attached stayed detached. And for this young student that that really was not something, that was not a road that she was willing to travel. That was not a choice that she was going to make. So she determined that with this patient, just like with all her other patients, that she was going to treat her as if she could understand every word that she was saying. She would give her information As if she could understand, she would treat her just like every other patient and show her as much care and as much love as she possibly could. On one particular uh, day, a holiday, Thanksgiving Day, this young student was assigned to work that day. She was not happy about that. Uh, She wanted to be with her family on Thanksgiving. She did not want to uh, have to go in and work. Needing and recognizing that she needed an attitude adjustment, she uh, prayed before she went to work, before she started her shift, and asked that God could uh, calm her heart, give her peace, and let her do the things uh, that she needed to do in a loving and caring way. So as she was making around, she went into Eileen's room, This young woman who had been devastated by this aneurysm went into her room, and she began to talk to her. She said, "Uh, Eileen, it's Thanksgiving, and and I know that uh, a lot of people with their families today, she said, I want you to know that I'm glad that I'm here with you on Thanksgiving Day. I'm glad that I can spend this day with you. I'm glad that we can have this time. I'm glad that I I can take care of you and she wasn't expecting a response. She turned and began uh, fixing one of the IVs. When she turned back to Eileen, she noticed that Eileen was crying. Tears were coming from her eyes. She was noticeably shaking, quivering. The Young nurse, in recounting the experience, said that was the only time while Eileen was a patient at the hospital, that she showed any kind of response or any emotion at all. And it was not too many days after that that Eileen died and passed away. The student concluded with these words in the story, Except for Eileen, I might never have known what it's like to give myself to someone who can't give back. God calls us to have the mind of Christ. That's what Peter is talking about. Having the spirit of Christ. That's what holiness is about. About how we care. About how we love and how we forgive. So let me close with these words. Everett Hale wrote them I am only one, but I am one. I cannot do everything, but I can do something. What I can do, I should do. And with the help of God, through Jesus Christ, I will do. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you For that which you've shown us through Jesus Christ. Lord, there are a lot of choices that we have to make in this life. A lot of directions, a lot of places that we turn in in confusion and in wonder and ask ourselves, what do I do? God, help us to seek you in all things. God, help us always to seek to be holy. To seek to be Christ-like. Lord, we know that in this life we're never going to make that, achieve that. But God, we know through your grace that as we travel, as we step, one step at a time, God, you reveal more and more to us of what it means to love one another, of what it means to love you. These things we pray in Christ's name. Amen.